Hello and welcome back to another exciting episode of Science Snacks. It's me, your science liaison with a face designed for podcasting, Eric. So today we have an episode that uh, touches on some topics that are a bit unpleasant, such as violence and, and shooting and things like that. So just be wary of that. Uh, and, and the reason for that is that there's always new discussions of, you know, when a violent thing occurs in our life, we have this desire to figure out what caused it to defend ourselves from it. Uh, there's actually a thing known as hypervigilance that's very common in victims of violence where they say, okay, well, I was hurt. I was injured. I was attacked. How can I stop this from happening again? Well, I could barricade myself away. I could, you know, uh, create, you know, safe around me. I could, you know, buy a gun, buy, you know, some some form of protection. Um, I could, maybe it was because, you know, I wasn't aware enough. Maybe I need to be more vigilant. And they wear themselves down mentally and emotionally. Every time that there is violence, there's a desire to change that. And that is human and that is healthy and that is good when we see things that are violent and we say, ah, that's just the way things are. That's bad. <laughs> we shouldn't, we shouldn't just accept that, you know, violence has to happen. We should always think, you know, is there a, a better way that we could be in the world could be. So in this discussion, uh, we want to think about like, what are the things that cause violence? I personally believe that there's a, um, especially here in the U.S., kind of a uh, a violent culture. I come from a place where, you know, the people that were always around me very much fixated on this idea of, like, uh, you know, uh, this desire for a zombie apocalypse so that they can just use their, their guns and, you know, just just go wild. This idea that, you know... I put up that sign that says trespassers will be shot and, and you know, uh, survivors will be shot again. Like, I saw so many of those signs. I never personally, that's not the kind of energy I bring to the table. Uh, so this desire to, you know, have an excuse to use violence. And that's kind of like the culture that I grew up in and kind of surrounded myself in by accident. Uh, should I say found people that really, you know, uh, enjoyed that culture. And eventually, you know, I broke away from that while I do martial arts and all that. And, you know, the people that are in my martial arts group, I love and have deep connection to, for us, it's not about the violence in itself. It's, it's a beauty. It's a finesse. It's kind of a, uh, for me, it's kind of like dancing. And I find that beautiful. But there's this discussion always about like, well, what's causing this violent culture? What causes this fixation, this desire to harm another person? And one of those things that always comes up, you know, regardless of the time period for the last, you know, 30, 40 years has been video games. And it makes sense, right? Like this idea that, you know, if I, you know, play a violent video game, that's going to give me ideas about how like, you know, oh, you know, I shoot a guy in video games, shoot a guy in real life, right? 
Like it sets up this like thing of like, oh, and in video game, I'm rewarded for shooting a guy. Maybe in real life, I'm rewarded for shooting a guy. Like it makes kind of sense in, I think, the common, you know, kind of like understanding. <laughs> it makes sense to a lot of people who, you know, say, oh, I see violence in these video games. And, you know, uh, especially when we had a case of the Columbine shooter who, you know, was very obsessed with a video game, one of the first first person shooters, um, as they're called, um, called Doom. And he was very into to this game and, you know, even used it in kind of preparation, quote unquote, for uh, the Columbine shootings. So since then, it's been a discussion of like, well, do video games cause violence? And for most people, this isn't a discussion. Most people are like, yes, absolutely. You're conditioning them to be violent, and then you're, you know, reinforcing that, and then they go out in the real world and they do violence. But I played a lot of video games. One of my favorites called The Witcher, and I have yet to hunt down a monster with a silver sword. No, nobody has asked me to do that. I played Assassin's Creed a lot, and I never got into parkouring, though I did think about it, and I'm embarrassed to say that I thought about it. Um, very in-depth. I looked at the prices. I could make it work with my budget, but I just didn't want to be that person yelling parkour everywhere. So <laughs> uh, for me, it, it seems to be not as intuitive. If you think of like Mario and things like that, we're not hopping on turtles every time we see a turtle. If that were the case, like everything you do in video games would just be reinforced, right? Or is it that there's some nuance to how we think about the world, that the brain contextualizes, oh, in this atmosphere, it's appropriate for you to do these behaviors. But, you know, in social atmospheres, it's not. Like, there's a lot of, like, you know, people who play Call of Duty who don't go out, you know, shooting people. So thus, we come into this discussion of, like, what does it mean for gun violence, for, for violence in general? and video games, especially in times where we perhaps see shootings. And I always worry when I make these these episodes of Science Snacks that I enjoy genuinely making these, and I want them to be something that like holds up a little bit to the test of time, and sadly, I feel like this one's going to hold up to the test of time, because shootings, at least where I am in the U.S., I don't think are going away anytime soon. So, with that, uh, let's discuss our study. We always have a study, and this, this we're going with our modern research again. Uh, there's not very much in the line. <laughs> there's no Nobel Prize winning people on, on gun violence yet. Um, I have high hopes that one day that might change, but... Uh, in the very least, we're going with some modern research, and this is a thing that was posted in Cyber Psychology, Behavior, and Social Networking. Um, not, you know, a highly rated journal, not a very common journal. Um, in fact, we've been looking at impact scores lately, so let's go ahead and look at that. So this is something that you can do. You can say, okay, well, you know, I'm uh, looking at an article, and this article is a scientific paper and all that, and maybe it's, it's posted and it looks kind of good, but let's just check out the journal, and you type in impact factor, impact score, 
for uh, you know hillary.baldeagle.qanon.gov and um, maybe you find out that maybe it has a poor impact factor <laughs> um, or maybe you find you know a surprisingly good impact factor so as a as a uh, you know point of reference an impact factor is also you know it's measured by the frequency that shows us how many times articles from a journal have been cited in a particular year this determines the uh, rank and importance of a journal by calculating the number of times its articles are cited so you know if if a lot of like new and modern research is going on in a journal its articles will be cited you know a large number of times and as a point of reference one is considered kind of average. Anything less than one is kind of bad. <laughs> um, anything less than three or, you know, three to one is considered a good impact score. And then you have kind of that that three to ten is considered a pretty decent impact score. And ten and above is a, an excellent score. Like that is, you know, award winning research. Um, so as a point of reference, this one is a uh, 4.1 almost a 4.2 uh, as its impact score. So we would say that this is a pretty good journal, uh, which is, you know, uh, pretty interesting given that like before this, I hadn't read anything from this journal. Um, so the title is Growing Up with Grand Theft Auto, a 10-year long study. It's a longitudinal growth of violent video game play in adolescence. Um, this was made by Sarah M. Coin. Con we are notoriously known for just butchering names on here. And Laura Stockdale. Uh, this was published in January of 2021. Uh, so they start talking about the fact that, like, you know, uh, there's a lot of studies that examine the impact of playing video games on aggressive behavior, and you can find those. They're, they're out there. Uh, however, longitudinal research is pretty rare, and existing studies have allowed little room for individual variability in the trajectories of violent video game play. Um, so the current study, they wanted to use a person-centered approach to examine trajectories, predictors, and outcomes of violent video game play over a 10-year period. So longitudinal, you're looking at over a long period of time. You're following a group of individuals longitudinally throughout their life. Three groups of individuals emerged. High initial violence, which accounted for 4%. Moderate, which is 23%. And low increasers, which is 73%. Uh, high initial violence in moderate groups said that they showed a, a curvilinear pattern of violent uh, video game play across time, whereas low increasers group increased slightly in video game play across time. The, the high initial violence in moderate group were more likely to be male, and the high initial violence were more likely to be depressed at the initial wave. Uh, they also said there's no difference in pro-social behavior at the final point of time across all three groups, but individuals in the moderate group displayed the highest levels of aggressive behavior at the final wave. And then they talk about like, well, what are the implications of that? So um, let's go through, you know, kind of their introduction, just give kind of a background. By the year 2022, they say ex uh, experts estimate that video game industry has a revenue of $230 billion and further estimate that more than half of the current top selling video games in the market 
contain violence. Now, how you describe that violence <laughs> is Mario jumping on top of turtles violent. It, obviously, like shooting guns at people is violent, but you know, some types of games display violence in more or less graphic ways. Um, and you know, that's <laughs> kind of a point of contention right off the bat. But despite decades of research on highly of uh, high on the effects of violent video games on behavior, the implications for the real world quote unquote effects on video games remain highly contested. Uh, experimental and longitudinal studies have repeatedly shown an association between playing violent video games and increased aggressive and decreased pro-social behavior. Additionally, some studies have found a link between playing violent video games and depression and anxiety. And we're going to actually talk about depression and video games in a, uh, in a later episode. Uh, however, other research has shown that while playing violent video games may be related to increased aggression in the laboratory, it's not a significant predictor of real-world violence or violent crimes. And, and so they go on to say, like, hey, there's a, a pretty hard contested difference of uh, research, especially when it comes to, like, laboratory violence versus actual real world. That's what we care about. We care about the real world results. And according to the general aggression model, the short-term exposure to violent video games influence a person's arousal level and aggression-related conditions and present mood. These three factors work together to influence how a person behaves when confronted with an external stimuli. Researchers have shown that across large samples, short-term exposure to violent video games at the group level is, is related to increased aggressive cognition, decreased psychological arousal to violence, and decreased effect. However... There is significant individual variation in these effects. In the long term, repeated exposure to violent video games is theorized to repeatedly activate and reinforce aggression-related scripts and schemas, eventually leading to increased aggressive personality, decreased pro-social behavior, desensitization, and decreased empathy. However... All longitudinal research to date on the effects of violent video games and aggression and pro-social behaviors have focused on group-level differences, ignoring individual trajectories and experiences. So, and that's what we care about. Usually it's lone shooters or like one to two individuals, not like full groups of people. Though, I mean, we have, especially in recent histories, seen, you know, groups of armed individuals um, acting in, in a violent manner. So thus, they wanted to aim the study and utilize a person-centered approach and examine violent video gameplay over more than a decade. They said this will provide a supplement to the existing variable-centered research and aid in our understanding of developing processes regarding video gameplay and child behavioral and mental health outcomes. They said that we suspect there are different trajectories of violent video gameplay. We examine these in an exploratory way in the current study. All right, now to get to the actual numbers. So I know, I know you nerds, you love your numbers. <laughs> uh, so uh, this study was reviewed and approved by, uh, there's a university associated with this. It included 500 adolescents who participated in um, this, this you know, group, and they said the project was masked for review. Uh, which is ongoing longitudinal study of inner family life involving families uh, with a child between the ages of 10 to 13 years old. Um, 
They have a total of 500 individuals, of which 51.6% of them are female. The data for the current article are from Waves 3 to 11, when video games were first included in data measurement. There was a 64.47% retention rate between all nine waves in data collection. Participant children averaged 13.82 years of age uh, at the start of the study and 23.2 years of age at the final wave. Approximately 65% of families were Caucasian, 12% black, 19% multi-ethnic, and 4% identified as other. Uh, 68 uh, participants did not report ever playing video games at any wave and were excluded from the analysis, right? Because we want, you know, to watch individuals that, uh, that do play video games. So, they said participant families were selected from a large northwestern city and interviewed during the first eight months of 2007 for a Wave 1 data sample. Wave 3 took place in 2009, and participants took part in the study once a year, each year, until Wave 10. Wave 11, which took place in 2018 to 2019, took place approximately three years after Wave 10. Families were primarily recruited using a purchased national uh, telephone survey database. Um, families identified using the Polk uh, directory were randomly selected from target census tracts that mirrored socioeconomic and racial stratification of reports in school districts. So they just want to like get a representative sample of the populi. Um, and they, they tried to do that by, you know, of the 692 eligible families contacted, 423 agreed to participate. And so they said, like, okay, well, let's limit down, like, what we have from there. And therefore, in an attempt to more closely mirror the demographics of the local area, a limited number of families were recruited into the study via other means. And so they have, like, examples of, like, referrals and flyers and so on. Um, and the reason this is important, and I know it seems like we're getting, you know, in, into a little bit of the nuances, but maybe it's the case that people who are more likely to respond to uh, national telephone survey database, uh, maybe they're just naturally more violent. Like maybe, <laughs> and that's not like wild. So, you know, as a, uh, as you know, we eat meat where individuals that, you know, um, are aware. And I know that seems like I'm, I'm going off track, but follow me on this. We're individuals that, you know, we have hunting behaviors. And one of the things notorious for, you know, individuals that have hunting behaviors is curiosity. So even cats, you know, they say curiosity killed the cat. You know, if you have, uh, different types of like you know, uh, wild wolves and things like that, they're rewarded for their curiosity. Right. And having more, I guess, predatory behavior, um, you, there's this idea of like, if you see something new, novel and different, do you run away in fear like a deer or do you approach it like a, a, a mountain lion? Um, right. And that's, that's kind of the two you can stay and observe, but eventually you're going to do one of those two things. You know, even if you stay there and like watch it for a little while, eventually you're going to like approach it or not. And it's that kind of thing that maybe individuals more likely, more with 
predatory-esque behavior, were more likely to be interested in, you know, the national telephone survey rather than those that, you know, don't. So that that's why it's important that they're talking about how they recruited individuals to say like, oh, we got them from a good portion of this way, but also a handful of other ways. And they're measuring their percent saying that like uh, we got them in other ways, uh, 77 of them, which is roughly 15%. So and that's why it matters is to say like, oh, the people who are more likely to answer a telephone survey may be more or less likely for violence, maybe more representative or less representative of the actual populi. So participants completed questionnaires at each wave all completed electronically, and they were given $50 for their first time. It's important to note that there uh, were little missing data. Dropout analyses revealed that the data were missing at random and can be accessed by uh, contacting the primary author. Missing data was handled using the maximum likelihood method, yada, yada, yada. So they talked about how, like, um, they talked about how, you know, participants in completing the questionnaires, you know, maybe data was dropped, maybe data was lost and all that. They, um, they were able to get a hold of the individuals and regain that information in some form or fashion, or they did a um, most likely outcome in the presence of missing data analysis for it. But again, that's just like, you know, questionnaire stuff, easily recoverable data. So I'm actually with them on that. I know that sounds like a big deal, but um, this is superior to case deletion as it allows us to include participants who had data for at least one wave. So, yeah. And why $50, you ask? <laughs> I can hear you like, oh, we're giving them money now. That's to keep people involved. And there's actually like ethics uh, considerations when, um, you know, offering uh, incentives because you can do that in scientific research. It's not uncommon. In fact, like there's stories of people like, oh, man, I'm doing this drug trial so I can get two hundred dollars each time. And now I'm growing hair out of my ears and things like, you know, uh, it's it's not uncommon for individuals to be, you know, uh, rewarded. Uh, it's actually part of the grant. And the idea is that it incentivizes you to stay with it. Now, there is a whole thing of like, it can't be an overwhelming amount of money to where it would alter your decision to even be a part of it. Uh, so if they were offering like $50,000 for me, that would be a, a, that would pay my student loans. Like that would be a life changing amount of money for me. Uh, and so they literally couldn't ethically do that. Uh, so that's, that's where the considerations always come in of like, you know, is, uh, the amount, you know, it might be small, but you know, fairly still significant. Um, so they measured, uh, participants listed their three favorite video games and rated how frequently they played them on a scale of one, not frequently to five, extremely frequently. There's a total of 789 games mentioned across all 11 waves. Each game was given a violence rating, a zero, no violence, to five, extreme violence. Uh, the Likert scale, uh, where we could find data, um, ratings were obtained using a score from the media content coding website, Common Sense Media. So they say, hey, here's how we actually like rated them. 
according to the website, each game is subjected to a detailed evaluation process by experts, trained reviewers who come from every corner of media, academic, and parenting worlds, including teachers, librarians, and ex- experienced academics who study the impact of media at length. And so they give a thing saying like how they make their rating rubric. And so overall, they conducted their uh, own reliability analysis on the ratings and found the ratings to be valid and reliable. Uh, They have an R of 8, sorry, 0.80 with a standard deviation of Uh, 0.08. So a description of this process they have in their supplementary data. Uh, Video game violence exposure score was obtained by multiplying the content ratings for each game by frequency of game playing. Thus, they gave more weight to games that were played more frequently. Because if, like, let's say I play, I don't know, uh, I always talk about The Witcher. I enjoy The Witcher. You're fighting monsters, slaying with the sword. (laughs) And I play that all the time, right? And then, like, maybe I only play Mario, where he jumps on the turtles, and that's the most, and they do like, oh, no, boop, boop, and they go off the screen. Like, and I only play that a little bit. Well, we should kind of weight The Witcher a little bit more. Maybe I'm playing an American Idol game where I have a microphone and the only violence is that that I'm doing to my loved one's eardrums. Uh, <laughs> and so that's uh, that's obviously going to wait a little bit different, um, you know, than, than if I'm, uh, you know, playing, I don't know, Call of Duty or uh, they mentioned Grand Theft Auto. So they wanted to address children's aggressive behavior and they assessed that using five items like the Weinberger, the Schwartz and the Davidson. Uh, the participants rated the degree to which items described them using a five point Liker scale from uh, ranging from one does not describe me to five describes me very well. Sample items included. I use physical force when angry. Reliability was accepted and they said that, you know, the wave three, they have an alpha, which equals uh, 0.88. And wave 11, they have a, an alpha that is uh, 0.8. So, you know, good consistency. Um, they also measured depressive symptoms in a very similar way. Uh, they had example sentences. I was bothered by things that don't usually bother me. Or I felt lonely like I don't have any friends. And I felt like something bad was going to happen. And then they, you know, uh, weighted those scores that indicated like greater depressive symptoms. And again, alpha score 0.92 and then wave 11. So wave three versus wave 11, 0.92. So good consistency. Same thing with anxiety. So example sentences, I worry a lot about things. Um, and they, they had 0.83 and 0.88 as their consistency there. And lastly, they measured pro-social behavior. Uh, so pro-social behavior, um, so they had examples here of I help people I don't know, even if it's not easy for me, and they found a fairly okay-ish <laughs> um, acceptability alpha at 0.83 at the beginning, and then alpha later on is 0.65. Uh, so they said, all right, we have our data. We're going to conduct a growth curve to examine how violent video games grow over a 10-year period. If there's significant variance in the slope, then we'll conduct a growth mixture model to examine the class membership. And finally, examine the predictors and outcomes of each class using a three-step approach to M+. So math terms, right? 
So the preliminary statistics, um, and they have a table here, and they measured wave three through uh, 11, and I can see kind of a general track. It doesn't seem very like moving up. There is some slight progression from wave three, but then from four to seven, I would say that it stays pretty steady, just kind of glancing at these numbers. Um, and that's for girls. Now for boys, oh man, um, we started about 6.7 and then in wave four we go 8.5 and then it kind of stays steady until wave 11, which is 10.73. And that's also worth mentioning that uh, in wave 11, there's uh, it's the highest for the girls too. So is there something you know uh, more violent occurring in 2018, 2019? Is the world more violent? Is are people in general more violent? Maybe it's the case that you know after 10 years of playing video games, <laughs> you become just violent overnight. You turn over and you say, "Aha." I am violent now. Um, so they say, let's let's actually look at the data and track and trend it. So we first examined a growth curve model of violent video game play over time. The model fit was moderate. They have a p-value of less than 0.001. A comparative fit index of 0.86, Tucker Lewis, all these math terms. Um, just kind of taking a glance at their p-values, because I know you guys love it as much as I do. Um, they had a slight significant downward trend for participants over time um, overall. Then the P equals uh, 0.035, a significant quadratic trend, P equals 0.009, suggesting a curvilinear trend with a sharp increase in the final wave. Additionally, there's a significant variance at the intercept. Um, so they're saying like, oh, you know, this suggests multiple trajectories of violent video game play over time. We then conducted a growth mixture model to explore this possibility. Two, three, and four class models were estimated, and then they wanted to describe the classes, give them two information criteria, the Bayesian information criteria, and the sample size adjusted BIC. Um, so given this, they may indicate differing numbers of classes uh, and took uh, math. <laughs> I was reading that. was like, uh. <laughs> um so they took uh, table two on their on their paper. They say this shows the fit improvement between the different classes. Fit statistics suggesting improvement between them. Thus, we settled on a three class model as the most favorable model of the data. So class one, which we talked about this before, four percent showed a very high intercept and with a steady decrease followed by an increase at the final wave. We call this the high initial violence class. And they had a moderate intercept with a semi-curvier linear whatever ending up in the most exact same place of video games as the final wave. Um, then they say, okay, we have a high one. So individuals that start high violence and they trend overall down and just kind of curve up a little bit at the end. Then we have these moderate ones, which generally follow the same trend, but theirs is kind of a softer curve throughout it and then just a soft trend up at the end and then they have the low levels of violent people who just did an ever so careful low increase over time um, nothing sharp just nice and smooth and consistent so then they said okay so uh, relative fit model by classes, you know, uh, they wanted to, you know, measure how good are these classes actually? Like, do these describe the data? And what they found was that their p-values were 
pretty acceptable for for the data. Um, so then let's jump to their discussion. For all participants, violent video games play showed a quadratic pattern across 10 years, with participants playing a significant amount of violent video games in early adolescence, decreasing in middle adolescence, and increasing again in emerging adulthood. Notably, there was a significant variability across participants in trajectories related to video gameplay over time. The data suggests three main trajectories of violent video gameplay. The smallest group, called the High Initial Violence, started High Initial, and they go through talking about that group never returned to their initial level of extremely high violent video gameplay during the duration of the study. This pattern may suggest that the type of intervention by parents or by the individual themselves significantly altering the trajectory of the participants. The group displayed higher depressive symptoms during early adolescence, but decreased anxiety. It's possible that this group was using violent video games to manage or cope with depressive symptoms. Previous researchers have shown that playing video games as a coping mechanism or distraction for mental health problems may be affected. And again, we're going to talk about that in a different episode. So what is the relationship between video games and depression? Although these studies have failed to consider the content of the video games themselves, Um, However, this group also displayed lower levels of anxiety than the other two groups, perhaps suggesting a desensitization or numbing effect. The second group, which was about 23% of participants, reported moderate levels of initial violent video gameplay and the same curvilinear pattern, though, though softer. These participants had the highest aggression levels in emerging adulthood even though there were no differences between the three groups in level of aggressive behavior at the initial time point. Uh, This was counterintuitive to us because, you know, the general aggression model, the high initial violence group, theoretically should have the highest amount of aggression. Indeed, those two groups had similar video gameplay at the final wave, but, you know, should have they they had like a different amount of overall aggression uh the moderate group had markedly higher amounts of you know actual aggression it might be a a sharp decrease in the initial uh group but then there's they they discuss how the sustained violent gameplay over time may be more predictive of long-term outcome as as opposed to like high violent gameplay that fluctuates drastically over time um Honestly, I they they lose me a bit here if I'm being honest. Um, and I think they they said you know themselves like this this was real unintuitive to us because these individuals had like the highest like out of video game violence. Um, finally, the low increases seventy three percent of participants started low in video game play, but slightly increased over the decade. This group showed the healthiest pattern of behavior and mental health predictors and outcomes when compared with other groups. This group was no higher in aggressive behavior than the high initial violence group at the time point, suggested low and slightly increasing levels of violent video gameplay may not be related to increased aggressive behaviors over time. Alternatively, these findings may also suggest that high initial levels when attenuated over time are poor predictors of aggression given the lack of difference between the groups. So the current study has a number of strengths they talk about. Like, oh man, like we're doing a longitudinal study. But they say we do have limitations. 
we're, uh, you know, relied, relying on self-report data, which are known to carry some bias. And we've talked about that before, that like when doing surveys and things like that, one of the easiest types of science to do. It's very common for, you know, a, an undergrad in, you know, uh, psychology. To, Here's a survey. Can you take my survey and all that? And they take that, they collect the data and the, they get, you know, a nice little like scientific thing out of it. Maybe it tracks and trends consistently. Maybe it doesn't. But, you know, you feel like, ah, I <laughs> I've done science, but it's pretty rough science. <laughs> Qualitative data could contribute to the current study. So they say, you know, there would be a better way. However, you know, it's very difficult to get large numbers of individuals, you know, consistently over a long period of time to come into your lab and like do all of this, uh, you know, in lab stuff. And that might not be necessarily representative of who they are and what they do. And, you know, they're a more relaxed environment. Uh, so they said, you know, hey, this provides evidence of multiple violent video game trajectories with moderate and relatively consistent playing being the most likely to relate to increased aggressive behavior over time. So that's the majority of the paper. So when we think about this, I mean, we're saying, okay, so maybe it's not the case that, you know, violent video games cause individuals to, uh, to, you know, become violent. But maybe it's dependent on the individual. So maybe, you know, high violent individuals over time find kind of a balance in their life as they deal with things like, you know, depression. Um, and they use it to kind of like hide away from the world. Whereas like moderately violent people who play it consistently over time or maybe, you know, have the same variation, but, you know, have this initial moderate violence might, you know, uh, find, find that like, ah, this, I, I naturally increase in violence over time, or maybe my video game, you know, violence helps me increase, or, you know, maybe I'm just like finding, uh, the thing that I enjoy most in, in the world, which is violence, or, you know, there, there's this track and trend in, in the middle area. And then there's this lower trend, individuals who have low initial violent behaviors, and just kind of like, gradually fall into like playing, you know, violent video games and progress in their, their life as they, you know, enter adulthood. And that seems to be the healthiest environment. However, I, I have always really struggled with this idea of like, you know, violent video games produces violent behaviors. I've known a lot of people who have violent behaviors who are uh, notoriously anti-video games. Uh, or like individuals who, you know, um, fetishize violence, but, you know, might not necessarily play violent video games. You could have individuals who are violent and don't have video games. And you clearly have individuals who, you know, are playing games. and you know, aren't violent. I think that a lot of it does depend on the type of video game you're playing, the kind of atmosphere that that game creates. Do you have this like, Ugh, I'm a lone wolf tough guy and I only think with my f punch fists? <laughs> or do you have, you know, something where uh, maybe it's like Dungeons and Dragons where you're playing together with a group of friends, a, a social connection there where you and a bunch of other people are, are being silly and maybe, uh, you know what the police haven't tried to track down this wizard is uh, talking to crows and 
uh, bribing a mummy and all these like silly ideas that you all can laugh about together and find connection. There is violence in Dungeons and Dragons, no doubt. Like you, you swing a sword, shoot a bow, you get, get a guy good in, in the shoulder. Um, like it has violence to it. However, you know, maybe that doesn't produce violent individuals. Maybe that's where they find connection. Maybe I would like to see research, discuss, you know, um, video games that perhaps have violence, but like a social aspect to them, a, a competitive or a like cooperative social experience, and then those that don't. So if you're playing a, a violent video game by yourself versus, you know, violent with your friends, does that produce a different result? For me, this study just kind of begs more questions because. I mean, we can always say like, oh, it's dependent on the person and, you know, say like, oh, you know, gun violence and violence in general in society is, you know, not narrowed down so easily as, you know, uh, video games do or don't produce violence. Because I honestly think that like there's individuals that fetishize violence that are going to find video games and enjoy them for that aspect not necessarily the artistic endeavor that they are or like you know the the fun you know puzzles or or you know jumping on the double bounce on the turtles and stuff like that's that's not going to be what they aim for they're going to fetishize and enjoy the the violence that they can produce but i think that maybe in finding connection with others that maybe that produces a uh, a different result. I don't know. What do you think? This honestly for me this was one of the ones I usually come into these, you know, either thinking, ah, I have my opinion or ah, you know, <laughs> I I already kind of have an idea cuz you know, I've read the the paper before I get on here um and and talk to you guys and and you know, make this episode of Science Stacks. Uh but this one kind of leaves me stumped because i generally you know was on the side of they don't really cause video games that people who enjoy them will find video games but this suggests that in some individuals there's a difference yeah i'm curious to know what you think and uh you can always respond sometimes i have like surveys up um especially on spotify uh if you find yourself like ah i have a thought to share with with eric you know maybe Throw in your scientific opinion. What do you think? All right. Hey, that's enough for me. Thanks for listening. And hey, don't forget your safety glasses. 